I'm here with Anna Carter from Eden Invitation. And we're center stage at a focus conference here <laughs> in front of 20,000 kids. No, we're in a, a little room we just found. And I just wanted to catch up. We've had you on the show before. I actually interviewed you at one of these before and then had you on the show. And, um, and since then, Eden Invitation has grown. Talk about your growth these past few years. Yes. Yeah, it's been uh, really exciting just to see uh, a lot of different people, right, that are experiencing um, same-sex desires or just, yeah, wrestling with their sexuality, wrestling with their gender, who are really looking for answers in the church and looking for um, a way to live in incongruence with the teachings of the church, the teachings of Christ. Mm -hmm. And so we've been expanding, you know, what we offer. So mm -hmm. we, we still have, we have a really robust online community. Uh, we like do Zoom small meetings? groups. Or, yeah. Uh, well, we actually use the Discord platform. Oh. <laughs> actually, it's kind of ironic, maybe, <laughs> with what we experience. But there's a lot of functionality there that, that's really helpful uh -huh. for us. Um, mm -hmm. So we have a robust online community. Mm -hmm. uh, we do small groups. Um, and we've also started doing local chapters. We call them hearth groups, ah. where people meet locally and regionally on a monthly basis just to, to share life together, to pray together, to grow in fellowship and, and accountability uh, in their life. Hmm. Roughly how many people will be involved with all of that? Yes, I mean, we've received, you know, over a thousand different stories, at least from different people, um, but, you know, regularly participating. Uh -huh. um, uh, it's, it's, it's a few hundred, a couple hundred people. Okay. Mm -hmm. And you attract the devout Catholic or non-Catholic, atheist, the whole gambit or? Most people have had some kind of Christian formation, at least, mm -hmm. right? Because we're pretty overt, you know, if you go on our website, yeah. It's very obvious that we're Christian, that we're uh, Catholic. Yeah. And so people at least have to be open to that. Mm -hmm. So we definitely attract people that have been away from the church for a while and they're kind of edging their way back. Uh -huh. um, and, and I think we attract a lot of people too that maybe have one foot out the door. Mm -hmm. You know, they, they've been in the faith and, but they're just, for whatever reason, right, right they're, they're feeling discouraged. They're not sure if this is the path they want to keep walking. Right. And they're kind of looking over their shoulder at other options out in the world. And we're maybe yeah. one of their last stops <laughs> wow. before they make that choice. Um, and we have people that are pretty devout already, but they're saying, hey, this is part of my life and it doesn't seem to be going away. And I, I need some formation and community yeah. in this area. Yeah. So you would Sometimes you'd read books and do reflections like in the meetings and stuff and share about the book. And, and what are some of the typical books you would reflect on? Yeah, so when we do our book clubs, we really look at a lot of kind of modern spiritual classics, so to speak. So um, we're reading, we, you know, we read John Paul II. Obviously, we you know, mm -hmm. have theology of the body concepts that come mm -hmm. out and what we're doing. Mm -hmm. um, but we've read books on... Um, you know, the Holy Spirit um, and whatnot by, you know, Jacques Philippe. We've read The Four Loves mm -hmm. by C.S. Lewis. Personal favorite is Read of God by mm -hmm. Carol Hauslander. Mm -hmm. um, he Leadeth Me by Father Walter Chiswick. So really, I mean, it's a lot of things about um, the spiritual life, right? right. And, and people that, you know, endure, you know, are, are dealing with loneliness or dealing with suffering um, and are, are trying to have, find a framework to interpret that in their own lives. Mm. Um, and so I think there's a lot of application there to yeah. uh, sexuality and gender, especially, yeah. you know, in the environment yeah. in the world today. 
So it sounds like a lot of people that participate, they're looking for community first off and maybe to understand the faith better as well. Is that kind of... Yeah, I think a lot of people feel alone in yeah. this experience in the church. Yeah. You know, sometimes if, if we, when we do talk about it, I think sometimes it can kind of feel like an us versus them, or mm -hmm. this is a problem out in the world that mm -hmm. we need to deal with, mm -hmm. when really there are people in the pews that have, you know, are experiencing same-sex desires, are wrestling with their gender, have mm -hmm. something kind of in that LGBTQ umbrella, so to speak, right, right. and they're here and yeah. wondering what it means for them to yeah. live the Christian life. And... Um, don't always know where to turn for that. And so yeah. I think we we provide that for people. Right, right. And what do you think like churches, priests, preachers, churches could do better and in, in inviting uh, people, you know, of all stripes? I don't know how to say that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but uh, it's been a long day. I'm not sure if I'm yeah, saying it right. <laughs> Just remembering we're in the pews. I think a couple things, especially from the pulpit, mm -hmm. uh, tone, mm -hmm. right? I think, again, a lot of times this comes up and sometimes the tone can be combative or, or fear-driven because we're worried about the way yeah. society is going. Yeah. Um, but recognizing that's not always helpful if someone's in the pews trying to follow Jesus. Yeah. You know, and it's like, yeah. well, are you afraid of me? Yeah. Are you angry at me? Right. Right? Um, they might be angry like at policy or... <laughs> curriculums and right but just to kind of remember hey there's people in the pews with this experience and what's the word of encouragement for them right right or, or to simply name it up front you know i think a lot of times we maybe we talk about things that our congregations struggle with and we maybe hit things like oh gossip or mm -hmm. anger or something mm -hmm. but you know i know my pastor actually at my parish does a really great job about this when he talks about lust uh -huh. um he actually rarely uses pronouns for it. He said, when a person is lusting after another person, mm -hmm. right? Or he'll open it up so that no matter what you're experiencing, you can yeah. find yourself right. in what he's saying. Right. Yeah. Um, and so just finding ways to kind of be more inclusive with that, um, I think is, is important. Um, and, um, yeah, just to be able to refer parishioners to the resources that exist, you know, organizations like yeah. Invitation or like Courage, um, so that people can have that direct support, even if the parish itself isn't offering it, but just to know that you know, there's resources out there that exist for people uh, to, right. to get connected right. with. Right, mm -hmm. right. And so maybe a, a typical person coming to Eden would be, they've had some bad experiences, you would think, or some alienating experiences that they... I think so. Yeah. You know, I think there are a lot of young adults today that have felt alienated by the church or, mm -hmm. or hurt by the church. Or, I mean, constantly saying the church, that, yeah, that's a big right. thing, but people in the church, yeah, yeah. right? Um, and that could be that could be an individual minister or leader of some kind, mm -hmm. a pastor, or it could just be your uber Catholic grandma or something. Right, right, <laughs> you right. translate that to be, oh, yeah. the church did this or yeah, said this to me, yeah, yeah. you know? Yeah. And what is the what is the message that the satisfying message maybe that you see take root in them? Is there a, a typical point of the gospel that is healing or fulfilling for the person experiencing same-sex mm. attraction? Like that excites them. That keeps them coming back to Eden. Mm -hmm. You know, that keeps them in the church. That. I mean, I mean, be the Eucharist or the Rosary, Our Lady, or something. You know, I think it's a, it's a sense. 
I don't mean this to sound mm -hmm. like trite or overdone, mm -hmm. but it really is, I think, a, a personal encounter with Christ, mm -hmm. right? I, I think a lot of um, John 6, mm -hmm. you know, where in John 6, of course, we have this teaching. Jesus is talking about the Eucharist, mm -hmm. you know, um, but they don't know it's the Eucharist at the time. They yeah. just know it's some strange thing about maybe right. cannibalism, right? right. Like what's right. going on here? Right. And there's a lot of people who leave and they say this saying is hard. Who can accept it, right? Yeah. And I think the interesting thing with Peter, right, when when Jesus turns to the disciples and said, do you two want to leave? You know, Jesus or Peter doesn't say like, oh, of course, I don't want to leave because I perfectly understand the doctrine of mm. transubstantiation that you were trying to communicate to us right, here, right? right? No, he says, like, where else would we go? Like, you have the words of eternal life, right? right? Yeah. Peter trusts Jesus even when he doesn't understand Jesus. Yeah. And so I think being able to cultivate a very real sense of God's love for us, a sense that God has a purpose for my life, yeah. that no matter what I'm wrestling with, like God is coming to meet me there. And that even some of those longings that can feel messy and shameful and disordered, like God actually wants me to find him in yeah. that <laughs> somehow, right. Right. right? And that he has a purpose for my life, a purpose for self-gift mm -hmm. for my life. Um, there is a yes of discipleship, creative discipleship that's waiting for me and I can have hope for my life. Mm -hmm. All right. So that wasn't just one idea. Sorry, that was no, a few. No, but... <laughs> that's great. That's great. Yeah, that fulfillment of desire and stuff. Um, and then the sense of community that y'all have amongst one another, I think would be very healing, powerful, fulfilling that they experience, right? Coming to Eden. Right, because I think, you know, all of us, you know, desire relational intimacy, right? Yeah. And all of us desire to be known and loved in an incarnate way by other human mm -hmm. beings. Yeah. Um, and so being able to experience being around people who also are messy and striving and right, unique right, and right. just trying to like do our best to care for each other, right? Yeah. In a way that's congruent with yeah. the gospel um, can be not just, I mean, it can be healing and it can also be really enlivening, right? Mm -hmm. It can be really joy filled mm -hmm. um, to just to know you're not alone in all of that. Yeah. And do y'all look at it as a, a cross, like same sex attraction or how do you, I know courage mm -hmm. seems like they, I don't know, I've heard different things from them about that, mm -hmm. but how do y'all see that? I think that all, any, disordered desire in our lives mm -hmm. needs to pass through the Paschal mystery, mm -hmm. right? But we're not just meant to like endlessly lap Calvary. You know? right, <laughs> like right, here's right. my cross and I'm just circling <laughs> Calvary until yeah, I die, yeah. right? There are aspects of any disordered desire, I think that involve pain and suffering, right? Because yeah. there's a way in which I want a fulfillment that can't be had in the mm -hmm. here and now, right? A desire yeah. in myself that nothing in this world is gonna satisfy to paraphrase yeah. C.S. Lewis, yeah. right? Um, and there's a death that has to happen, right? A death to self to say, I, this isn't going to get satisfied the way that I want it to right mm -hmm. now. Um, but I can unite that death to self to Jesus. Uh -huh. <laughs> and there's ways in which he actually wants to rise in me right. through that, right? Yeah. That like in those experiences and, and through that, um, yeah, just, just through all of that, that like, his grace is alive and active in the midst of my surrender. Right. And that actually it's something that 
can bear fruit in my life, that saying mm -hmm. yes to Jesus and hard things can bear real fruit in um, the way I love God, the way I view myself, the charity I show to other people, the attentiveness to other suffering that I might have in my mm -hmm. life, um, the new avenues for creativity I might have, mm -hmm. especially if it's someone who's gonna be single for the Lord for the rest of their life, right? That right. there's ways in which God is gonna rise to new life and, and call them to mission, right? The, the, the ascension is part of the Paschal Mystery, right? right? right. Um, and that I'm commissioned actually, not just despite these experiences, right? But that they're part of my life and my story and God could use them in ways I never would have anticipated. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, because, you know, when in John's gospel, chapter 12 talks about when I am lifted up, I'll draw people to myself. And I know John Paul II wrote about, maybe it was Benedict, but it was like that lifting up includes the ascension. You know, he ascends to the right hand of the Father and in a sense, you know, that is the establishment of the kingdom, right? He's at the right hand of the Father, he's king, and so that's his kingdom being established on the cross and through the ascension. But I like the connection with the, uh, the Great Commission that, you know, it's like, it's, to me it's funny in a great sense that, you know, the apostles abandon him, he upbraids them, you know, tells them where to go and what to do. And then he, he gives them this commission as he ascends into heaven and go and make disciples of the whole world. You know, they just had the most colossal failure of their <laughs> lives. <laughs> and it's like, the message isn't you. It is, but it isn't, right? The message is Jesus. But, you know, your struggle, your personal cross is going to be a big part of your witness, right? But, yeah, go and proclaim. I love that connection because, yeah, that's, that is our witness, I think. I mean, Catherine and or Catherine Drexel talked about the greatest work we have to do is to patiently bear the cross and do mm. the cross, right? And I, I think, you know, our suffering and stuff, everybody can connect with that. Everybody has suffering. So if Christianity speaks into that reality of people's lives and they see it, how we're dealing with it, they, they're, they're listening, right? <laughs> so... Yeah, I would think, yeah, like same-sex attraction and stuff would have a very powerful message to, in this culture today mm -hmm. to give. So. But um, how do you, what do you think, I know there's huge culture work going on right now, but like some of the mistakes that maybe our secular presentation of it that damages people or misleads people, I'm just wondering like, you know, there's good and there's bad there. What, what, mm -hmm. how, how would you describe it? Well, I think in terms of what we just discussed, it's mm -hmm. the fallacy of the resurrection without the cross. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Where there's a sense that, um, you know, you embrace this experience uh -huh. um, as an inevitability of behavior. Right? Mm, right. <laughs> that like embracing this, this there's no embracing of a cross, right? There's just yeah. an embracing of like, oh, I'm attracted to the same sex or I feel like I am the opposite sex. Right. Mm -hmm. And so in order to be fulfilled, I need to kind of rise again on the other side <laughs> right. as somebody um, who's in these relationships. Right. Mm -hmm. Or is um, altering my um, my body. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, to, to match that. And, um, that, that is what's going to fulfill me, right. That's where mm -hmm. the happiness is going to come. Um, and 
you know, and I think there are ways in which I would say, yeah, we need to embrace this as a reality, right? Like these discordant experiences of sexuality and gender are, are a reality that we can't yeah. just pretend aren't there. Right. You know? right. Right. Um, and um, we can't just wish them away, right. you know? Um, and so I think there's something to it. But then obviously when you, you kind of go down that road, uh, you know, antagonistic to moral law, you're, we know you're going to have problems, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? You're going to have problems one way or another. Right. Um, right. You know, and so I think that, that that's definitely problematic. And then I think something else, though, you, you mentioned the good. I do think there is a sense there of, um, you know, there's there's a real sense of trying to support people, yeah. right? Um, now, we don't love everything they're supporting them in, but yeah. there's a real built-in sense of, like, let's try to support people. Let's kind of build these communities and... Yeah all of that, that yeah. I think the church needs to be doing. We need, we actually have the best roadmap for that, right, <laughs> right, right. in our faith. And yeah. we need to be, you know, doubling down on that, I think, yeah. Um, yeah. in our relationships with people. Yeah. Yeah, those are great points. Um, the whole identity, I mean, I, I remember Father Harvey gave us a talk at the seminary, mm. you know, and he was really, you know, he didn't see it as, you know, saying this is my identity. You know, mm -hmm. we, you're a human person that experiences this. Do you agree with that, or is that your approach? Or I mean, to say like I'm a homosexual person. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's like the next natural step to say, well, I'm gonna. Of course, I have to act on it, mm -hmm. right? This is my identity. You know, I think it's tricky. I mean, I think I agree in principle, mm -hmm. right, with the fact that yeah, this is not constitutive of a person's identity, right? You are right. we're a human being. We're an adopted son or daughter of mm -hmm. a father, like on an ontological level, if we mm. want to, yeah, <laughs> if we right. want to use that word on the right. level of being, yeah. right? That there's, um, uh, that's not who I am, right? right. Um, this is an experience that I yeah. have, right? right? I think it gets a little trickier though, uh, personally, I think when, when we start to kind of police the adjectives uh -huh. that people use to describe their experiences, right? Because mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of adjectives that we do use. Um, you know, I'm a sinner. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. um, I'm an alcoholic. Mm -hmm. Right. People, you know, use those terms. And and so um, we use a lot of adjectives to describe aspects of our experience and aspects right. of our lives. Um, and we're OK with that in a lot of settings. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> you right. know, and so I don't necessarily take issue if somebody says, oh, I want to I'm going to describe my experiences as homosexual or as mm -hmm. gay or as lesbian or as same sex attracted. Right. Because um, mm -hmm. I, I think people are sorting through their experiences and trying to give name to them. Now, if someone is then taking a leap to say, oh, like, I mean, even in the, the catechism says homosexual persons or person and persons with homosexual tendencies. Mm -hmm. And then the CDF or DDF mm -hmm. now says yeah. that too, right? right? And so we have within the church using it as an adjective, yeah. you know, um, at the highest levels of, of, of wow. um, doctrinal authority. Mm -hmm. So um, I think it's, we have to be careful, obviously, what, what do we mean when we say that, mm -hmm. you know? And if I mean by that, that this yeah. is constitutive of, of my identity and now I'm gonna go act on it, well, that yeah. of course that's problematic. Yeah. Yeah. But that would be problematic for anybody, right? If someone says, oh, I'm an alcoholic, well, that means, and I, I'm not comparing them because I think the two things are the same. I just wanna be very mm -hmm. clear about that. Yeah. Um, I'm just trying to give an example where we seem as a church to be okay with adjectives associated with sin, right? right? right. Um, and so, you know, are we using that word because I'm acknowledging this is an experience that I have that I'm trying to work on? Right. Oh, okay. There yeah, you go. Yeah. Um, 
I guess some of the thing I took, my understanding was like to reduce a person to sexual attraction. I mean, even within the heterosexual uh, bandwidth of it, <laughs> I mean, there could be some, you know, some, what's the word, some perversions or something. And, and that we're more than our sexual desires, right? That we're a human person loved by God, child of God. And uh, that, I don't know, I guess that's some of the things I, I think about sometimes, but. Um, well, I think that goes for anything, right? I mean, I, I used to work in uh, youth ministry and there's so many talks about, you know, don't, don't identify yourself as the jock or don't identify yourself as the artist or don't right. identify, you know, right. we, we all, I think, need to be called back to that, right? I yeah. think there's a lot of us in this country, are we more American or are we more Catholic, you know? Right. Like, but there's a lot of adjectives and, and ways that we could view ourselves that I think can become problematic if they yeah. become the dominant narrative in our hearts, right? right? right. Yeah. Um, but I don't think it's wrong to name it's part of mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. your life. Right, right, right. Can you share some of your own story of maybe people listening would identify with your story? Sure. Yeah. yeah. So I think in my own experience, I was very much a church kid mm -hmm. <laughs> growing up. You yeah. know, I um, I was raised by very devout parents, went to youth group, yeah. um, went on to get a theology degree. You know, that I very much wanted to. At Steubenville. At Steubenville. Oh, yes, right. yes. Very much like love Jesus and serve him. And um, but I noticed this, these attractions in my heart, yeah, you know, yeah. starting in high school. And I was really afraid of them. I was really ashamed. Wasn't really talked about a lot in um, growing up, except for kind of in like a culture war terminology, yeah, you know, yeah. um, or um, issues within the hierarchy or clergy or something, mm -hmm. you know, the, the um, and so it never, I didn't know how to relate to it. I didn't know how to talk about it. So I like kept things, a lot of that hidden. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, of course, when you keep things hidden and never right. look at them or think about them, they emerge in really healthy ways later, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, not so much. Sideways. Um, right? <laughs> yeah. And so, um, yeah. And, and so I think for me, though, there was definitely a time where I kind of had to say, oh, this is this is what's happening. Like, I need to be honest with myself. Mm -hmm. Like this, these ways that I'm interacting um, with women are not virtuous, you know, mm -hmm. um, this isn't helpful for me. Mm -hmm. This isn't helpful to my holiness. And like, I have to like make some choices here, you know, yeah. about what, yeah. what am I going to do? Who am I going to follow? How am I going to live? And, right. and so um, ultimately just kind of coming back, like I mentioned earlier to that kind of John six moment of like, no, I, I know that Jesus has the words of everlasting life. I know that my experiences of grace have been real in my life and that's how I want to live. And that's who, you know, I want to keep choosing Jesus. Right. Um, and so that's what I've been trying to do. <laughs> All right. All right. And your full-time ministry. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Which brings its own challenges, right? <laughs> when you're, <laughs> oh, when you're you know. you're in St. Paul, you said? Mm -hmm. Okay. Minnesota. So. Yes. Yes. All right. Well, keep up the good work and thank you. Praying for you all and hope things go well and continues to grow and get on Zoom, you know? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for, thanks for uh, talking today. Okay.